welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. What a week seven we just had. Barton Simmons there chip patterson here it's the 24 7 sports college football podcast recap show um barton the we had no games between ranked teams but we by the end of the weekend four teams from the ap top 10 lost seven ranked teams lost in total and uh and all of a sudden the 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 title picture i mean we got like playoff contenders that are taking their first loss of the season uh, do you feel like I, I will make an argument? Week seven was not one of the uh, most exciting weeks of the season. It was not one of my favorite weeks of the season, but I will say that it might end up being one of the most impactful on the playoff race. Most disruptive for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like you know heading into week eight. So next week, it's almost like week one again. It's almost like we put a pushed a reset button on college football, and everyone that we thought was a contender now is brought back down to earth is sort of the the playing field is leveled once again and there's some new life for some teams out there and some um sort of wake-up calls for some others not even wake-up calls but just like again just like humble pies or something like that you know it's just a it's a it's a totally new landscape now in college football and it's going to be uh it's going to be fascinating to see who who responds. We've uh, let's all right. Let's start with the the major upsets because I think that there's a reason to discuss the teams that are at the top, but also uh, some of the these teams that are now going into Week Eight with a whole lot of juice coming off the big win. It was Friday the thirteenth, and the first of our two top ten teams to fall was the Clemson Tigers. We it was it was a spot when you're going on a short turnaround Friday night into the Carrier Dome. I think there was a lot of confidence uh, that Syracuse was going to be able to hang in this game, maybe make Clemson sweat a little bit. But you throw in uh, Kelly Bryant, who started the game, hobbled, then gets taken out of the game. Clemson's offense can't get things done down the stretch. And suddenly, man, uh, this Syracuse team that is has given some good teams fits, they get their first signature win of the Dino Babers era. You got any Dino Babers sound for me? Dude, dude, I am so glad <laughs> that you wanted me to uh, pull this up for you. Um, I kind of, I, I think I would just want to let it go and maybe we can just give some commentary on this. This is from Dino's introductory press conference. And the first thing you're going to hear is him demanding, not asking, <laughs> but demanding that all of the reporters involved join him on this, uh, this moment of mental exploration. Total buy-in. Stay with me. I want everybody here. I know some of you guys are on your cameras. I know some of you guys are on your cameras. Close your eyes for me. Stay with me. Close your eyes. I'm looking. I'm not going to keep talking unless your eyes are closed. That means you got to trust your iPad is going to stay on. Okay? Close your eyes for me. Close your eyes. You're holding us up. Front row, you're holding us up. Close your eyes. Close your eyes, front row. Visualize this. I mean, first of all, let's just stop right there. He just went like kindergarten teacher on him. Straight up, man. <laughs> like straight up. Right. I don't care if these guys are sixty-five years old. Yeah, I, I, you're gonna you're gonna be a part of this. You're gonna close your eyes. All right, back to Dino. Visualize this. You're in the carrier dome. The house is filled. The feeling is electric. The noise is deafening. You have a defense that is relentless. You have a special teams that has been well coached. You have an offense that will not huddle. And you have a game that's faster than you've ever seen on turf. Open your eyes. That's going to be a reality. That's going to be Syracuse football. Thank you. Open your eyes, Chip. Yeah, dude. It's a reality. There's no huddle. I didn't see a huddle. There's no huddle in sight. The special <laughs> teams are well coached. The house is, in fact, filled. Oh, that was so. That was the Defense best. is relentless. <laughs> 
Uh, to fill the house with the well-coached defense and an offense that will not huddle. <laughs> Dino, man, you did it. You did it. Uh, I am so excited about the Dino Babers era. This is it. I mean, in like what he, he – I always went back to the, the light bulb goes off about five or six games into season two. Yeah. This is right. it, man. This is Here it. We are. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Syracuse – a team that we are going to look at very, very differently than we have in the last couple of years. I mean, this is, this is not a team that you're ready to, uh, you like you're, you can win a lot of games. I don't know if you can win an ACC championship against Clemson and Florida state right now, but man, they can beat anybody. And, uh, and you're playing out the Syracuse season and they're, they're going to have a shot to be bowling, man. Absolutely. So I've got a, a few thoughts on this. Uh, first on the Syracuse side, you know, we have at 24-7 sports, we get, some, we get access to the, the pro football focus data uh, in college football. And they've graded out Eric Dungy as the second best quarterback in the country. Like that's what he's put on film to date. So what he did against that Clemson defense is shouldn't have shocked people. I think we'll, you know when you look back at, at Clemson's schedule, maybe hindsight twenty twenty, it looks better than it. You know we we otherwise thought. I mean, they beat a Pitt team that's not that great. They hung in there with NC State. They hung in there with LSU. Um, they did lose to MTSU, which which doesn't look great. So it's sort of you know they've taken for the most part they've taken care of business where they were supposed to. But look, I didn't see this coming. I thought this was going to be a a game where they covered. I did not think that they were going to win. I didn't think they had a shot at winning. Um, But they do have big-time playmakers on the outside on offense, and they do have a defense that is, in in Dino Baber's vernacular, relentless. I mean, they play hard, man. They get after it. um, I like Zaire Franklin, the linebacker. That dude's a stud. He's been playing a long time. Paris uh-huh. Bennett's a good player too at linebacker position. You know another little uh, little fact: um, Marquise Blair, the hard hitting safety for Utah. Yeah, he was coming out of high school. He signed with Syracuse, like, and he was supposed to be at Syracuse. They had a locker for him and everything, and just last minute he couldn't get qualified and had to go JUCO. Um, so that would have been a nice little addition to their defense too. But that's that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I mean, I think Syracuse is a fun team now. I think that they they are all of a sudden going to be. I mean, they got Miami, FSU, Wake, Louisville, BC coming up. They could lose every one of those, but they're uh, they're a team everybody's looking for now. I think they're a team everybody's rooting for, really. Mm. All right. So what about Clemson? What? Yeah, that's the bigger question. Yeah, this here. Is what, the- what, is, what are your thoughts? Here, here's my question for you, Chip. Is this loss a speed bump for Clemson, or is this loss a? Uh, uh, you know, are they are they turned over, flipped in a ditch right now? They are not turned over and flipped in a ditch at all. Um, I don't think that. What it, if Kelly? What if Kelly Bryant is out for see, or hobbled for the rest of the year? That's. I did not think that I would. I did not think that the. You, we always talk about like the, the most irreplaceable players and like the players that you have to have to win. I did not think Kelly Bryant was going to have – I did not think this much weight would be on him at the quarterback position because from being knocked out against Wake Forest to being knocked out against Syracuse, uh, Hunter Johnson can come in and show you some things, but Zarek Cooper, serviceable but not great. And the the same, just the offense isn't running with the same rhythm, which you would understand particularly in a in an offensive attack that really likes to use – uh, tempo likes to be able to get into a rhythm. Likes you know needs a couple first downs, a couple completions to be able to really catch fire. It's not surprising that changes at the quarterback position in the middle of the game would disrupt that. But man, it seems like there's a big downgrade from Kelly Bryant to his highly touted but very inexperienced backups. And I didn't think that was going to be the case. Uh, looking at Clemson. If if Kelly Bryant's hobbled the rest of the season, then this is going to be a grind. This is going to be a big-time grind for Clemson. But no, I I tend to lean more towards speed bump. I think that Clemson wins the rest of its regular season games, 
and goes into the ACC championship game with one loss and a shot to get into the playoff. Yeah, and, and I, I'll clarify too. Like I, I think this is a speed bump in the sense that if if they win out, then they're in. I mean, they they still have everything in front of them, and there is probably still a better chance than not that they do win out. But this loss kind of shook me in terms of my Clemson expectations because the two things that I thought were exposed, well, a couple things were exposed. One is Kelly Bryant is, is a different quarterback when he is hobbled. Like when he can't be a threat in the run game, they are much easier to defend because Kelly Bryant's very competent, serviceable as a passer, but he's, just, he's not a sit-in-the-pocket, pick-you-apart guy. Uh, two, I, I thought they really were missing Wayne Gallman. Mm. Remember last year when Wayne Gallman was in there? Like they, they could they had Deshaun Watson and he could he could scramble and improvise and make plays and he was the best player on the field every time they went out there. But Wayne Gallman provided a physical downhill presence where they could get tough yards when they needed in the run game. And I didn't necessarily see that the other night. Like I didn't necessarily see Travis Etienne or um you know, really any of their backs being that, that guy that they can like really hand, see, you know, hand the ball off to and just just go go get them, get them three yards, get them three or four tough yards. So I think that's the type of thing that can come back and, and, and haunt them and uh, when the big games come and it really matters. And then the last thing I thought that, that really got exposed, which is this is kind of the obvious one, is the, is the, the pass game. I mean, I, I think we've all – we're all enamored by their def- their their defensive line and their front seven, and their their secondary is good, but not quite on that same level. And I think they got exposed a little bit. I mean, Steve Ishmael, Irvin Phillips, those guys really tested them down the field and made some plays. And when you got a quarterback like Eric Dungy, that can extend a few plays and 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 it has really good arm talent and all that sort of stuff. You know that's going to be, um, you know that's going to that's going to bite you some. So I, you know I, as I look at Clemson's schedule the rest of the way, I, I still don't know that like that there's anyone on there that, you know I, I think is is, I, I just I think once they get to the playoffs, I just I, I've lost some faith in them to, to sort of be that no doubt number two team in the country I guess. And. and- and to get that inside running presence back, like it's going to take a little bit of time because Wayne Gallman was that guy for two seasons. You know, I mean that Wayne Gallman was that guy. I guess maybe even starting his freshman year in terms of getting in there and starting to be a between the tackles runner. And I, you know, it could be Feaster, it could be Travis Etienne. I think that in Clemson's most impressive performances, they've gotten better work out of that ground game because, like you said, that the go and get three yards. That's also the like, okay, go and get a first down. We've got like, we cannot give the ball back to this right. team because this quarterback's hot and he's got our, our, he's got the number of all of our defensive backs right now. Um, it, like Deshaun Watson was a superstar and the best quarterback in college football for two years, but there were a lot of games during Clemson's 28 and 2 run across 2015 and 2016 that, to your point, I think were won by Wayne Gallman. So I'm, I, I I think there's only one team on Clemson's schedule that can beat them right now, and that's NC State at NC State. And and then whoever they get in the ACC championship game, you know, that could be tricky. But I still think that they're probably bound for the playoffs. I just don't I just don't think there is – I no longer I, – I, I see the chinks in their armor now. And uh, I guess everybody's got chinks in their armor these days. What about Alabama? Before we nope. get on to the rest of the team, <laughs> no, nope, except for them. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so Clemson, number no longer number two. Um, so the chinks in the armor have you no longer on the Alabama and Clemson and everybody else train. You're yeah, out. well, especially at the court, if the quarterback position is hobbled, there, that's especially true. So now I think it's Alabama and everybody else. All right, yeah. late Friday night, our effort was pathetic. Mike Leach, unhappy, looked like a bunch of front runners, which I will say that all of my, of all of Mike Leach's, uh, you know, very animated comments from the podium that we've seen. And this year, he's really been feeling himself. He's offered, oh, yeah. he's offered a lot of gems. Um, I thought that that was a, that was probably something that he was calling right. I mean, it was something that was insulting to his team. He was probably trying to send them a message, but 
this was a Washington State team that is not used to uh, being the favorite, not used to being one of the last undefeated teams. I mean, usually these Washington State teams take that FCS loss in September and spend the whole year sort of climbing back on the right side of things. And, uh, man, I this is, this is a Cal team that is quickly starting to make Justin Wilcox look like a Coach of the Year candidate. And I never thought that – I thought the Cougars would take a loss. I guess, sure, this makes sense, but – the variance in what we can see from Washington State on display when you go from lighting teams up to Luke Falk throwing a whole bunch of picks and getting sacked like 12 times. Frauds. These guys are frauds. You know, hey, Mike Le- first of all, Mike Leach is the best. He's just the best, and he knows they're frauds. They should have lost to, Bo- to Boise State, and that game was was ugly. You know, who? what have they done? They beat Oregon State, who was terrible at the time. They beat Nevada, who is terrible. They beat a uh, beat-up USC team who is barely getting by everybody they play. And they beat an Oregon team who was playing a, a, a backup quarterback that threw for like 16 yards against Stanford the other night. Um, so this – I'm so mad at myself for picking Washington State to cover this spread. Like that's that's where I'm mad. That I, <laughs> like this, is, this, was an, this was an obvious at least cover by Cal. Um, but – so, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad, in a sense, Not no offense, Washington State fans, I'm glad to get Washington State out of the top ten. I don't think they ever belonged there. Um, and I still think they're a good team that can, can trip somebody up. But this is not – look, I'll make, my, I'll make my grand Pac-12 statement uh, when we get to Washington later on. But uh, at this point, I'll leave it at this. Washington State was never a factor to me on a national level. Um, and they're still a good team, and they got some really good players. Hercules Madafa is 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 still a stud. Um, Luke Falk, uh, you know, he's 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 a little more limited to me. But uh, this team, I think, got put in their place a little bit by uh, by a Cal team. And, and you're right. I mean, Justin Wilcox continues to be um, really a, a, a. I mean, what an outstanding hire. I mean, I, and I I, I got to say, I didn't see that coming. He's got like former head coaches on the staff, and all right. And as we get to, as we sort of take this to Washington, the uh, the this Justin Wilcox, another part of that Chris Peterson uh, Fiesta Bowl staff, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a he's a former Boise guy. So you got Brian Harson, Justin Wilcox, Chris Peterson. And I think there's another sitting head coach or another offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator that was also on that staff. But Washington, the team that we fell in love with, the team that was humming on all cylinders, just laid, a, <laughs> just laid an egg. I mean, just yeah. – just la- and, and this is uh, like credit Arizona State. Arizona State's uh, defense – was uh was strong they they played really strong in this game um jake browning didn't look good washington lost a key offensive lineman one of their best tackles went out for with an injury for this game something to monitor moving forward is i don't think washington is fraudulent uh i think that this was a bad loss though i think this makes i think this makes things very very difficult for washington's playoff hopes it makes diff- makes things difficult for the Pac-12's playoff hopes. Yeah, I, I think the Pac-12's out. I do not think they're going to have a playoff team. And I think, like you mentioned, I think it was Trey Adams went Trey down Adams, the left tackle. A, yeah, uh, they have you know Byron Murphy, one of their corners, is out uh, for the season. I believe um, they lost the other starting corner the other night. It looked like he I mean, he got carted off. I'm not sure what that injury turned out to be, but that was that wasn't a pretty one either. I, you know, I and and look, you know, I've always been a little bit anti Jake Browning, not as a kid, but as a player, just a little bit. Um, just I, I just don't I, I question his ability in in defenses that can really force his arm talent to win, and he showed that. He, you know, he didn't have that the night. They don't quite have John Ross to bail them out. Dante Pettis, you know, if you limit him in the punt return game, if you you know if you if you bracket him, I think you're in good shape. And and so here we are. And I'm reminded why I wanted to back off my playoff pick with Washington that first week against Rutgers. And they've, they haven't played anybody. They have, they've have, they have dominated the teams they played. Sure. But now they play a decent team and they lose. Um, 
And now I look at the rest of the Pac-12, and hey, they may win out. UCLA, Oregon, at Stanford, Utah, Washington State. But I just don't think the Pac-12 looks good. Like they, There's no teams with the exception. I, I still think Stanford can get it humming and by the end of the year look like that kind of team. But they're going to have two losses on the record. And I think now with USC continuing to just squeak by everyone they play, I think they'll lose to Notre Dame. And that's going to be two losses for them. I, I just I don't see it in the in the Pac-12 this year. I think that Washington will lose it at Stanford. And, and I think that'll, that'll seal it for, for the Pac-12. So, um, you know, this is, this is good news for, uh, for if the SEC wants to try to get two in, if, uh, if, if Oklahoma's Oklahoma and Ohio state are, are, you know, trying to get in with a loss. Like I, this this is this helps them out Notre Dame too yeah yeah no I've, I'm with you when uh, I so we turned in or we will turn in our new college football playoff four for the CBS Sports midseason package who's going to be in your four yeah so is this a projection or is this who should be in right now oh I don't know I'm I, <laughs> you know I put Alabama and Georgia in just to watch people freak out yeah I did I, I think I was going to also in fact what I'm leaning right now is Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Georgia. Sick. <laughs> uh, just because I think, I mean, this just feels like Ohio State's getting on another one of those runs where they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna win out. And Oklahoma, I just, I don't see TCU going unscathed the rest of the way. The Big Twelve is just such a weird conference. I've got um, Clemson in for Oklahoma. I've got. Alabama. That's probably that's probably the right uh, that's probably the right move because Clemson just still even, even though I'm not I've lost some faith in them it still feels like they're not going to lose the ACC. It'll be like uh, the college football playoff rankings before the conference championship game will be like Alabama one, Georgia two. Maybe Alabama wins, but Georgia only drops to number three. Ohio State in at two, Clemson in at four. Alabama, Clemson. We get it, but we get it in the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think Georgia, right now. Now we've been fooled by teams before, but right now Georgia to me looks like just eyeball tests look like the number two team in the country. Like they look like the second best team in college football right now. All right, well let's uh, one more top ten loss that we got to get to. It was the SEC on CBS game of the week in Baton Rouge, twenty to nothing win. We're texting each other. We're loving our lock unity pick. We're, we're like, we're like, oh, man, you couldn't set a spread that I wouldn't take Auburn in this game. And the, the way that Auburn's offense just kind of buttoned up um, in the second half here and allowed LSU to like just grind its way back into the game, um, by the time Jarrett Stidham was getting the ball for those, you know, we got to go get a touchdown, we got to go get some points possessions, it he just looked lost and LSU had just totally taken control of the game. I so I believe Barton that Auburn is not as bad as it looked against in the second half against LSU. I believe and still consider Auburn to be one of the 15 best teams in all of college football and a team that can cause a lot of problems for a Georgia or Alabama, but I think that we saw the if we had seen Auburn's ceiling in the last couple weeks with all the damage they'd been doing, we certainly saw the uh, like shadows of the bad Auburn and how, how things can kind of start falling apart in a close game. Yeah. I don't really get their offense. I just don't – like it doesn't – in the game – in the tough games, they lose all flow. Like yeah. it's just a choppy mess when, when they're in tight games. And – I, I just, you know, that's it frustrates me a little bit because it feels like they could be better than that. It feels like they should be better than that. It feels like they have the tools to be better than that. But I, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna go that route though. I'm not gonna blame this game on on Auburn or on the coach or on the play calling. I, I'm gonna kind of give give LSU the credit for this. Um, they had to find plays. They found a punt return touchdown. Darius Geis gutted out some some tough yardage. You know, even though you know he's still not himself. Danny Etling played mistake-free. You know, they made enough plays on defense. The defense and, and Rashard Lawrence, I, I really think he's the key for them defensively. Like, when he's in, they're just so much more stout up front. They're so much more immovable. And, uh, and I think he helps those guys behind him a lot. 
you know, there's their young guys like Grant Delpit, the true freshman, is starting to starting to get his feet under him. Even though I think he was responsible for one of the busts there in that game early on. Um, Arden Key looked better, so I'm just going to give LSU some credit and say, look, LSU has has really made some strides. They're they're gelling, and I think that LSU. I, I feel I, I do feel more like LSU is a is becoming a legit team more so than Auburn is is falling apart. Um, I think that this, you know, when we look back at the end of the year, LSU, this LSU loss is not going to feel that bad because I think LSU is probably going to take care of business the rest of the way with the exception of Alabama. I don't think so. You don't think it? You, you, no. You're not buying LSU yet? I'm not buying LSU yet. Like, uh, I think Texas A&M will beat LSU. That'll be a fascinating game, man. Yeah. I think I think you lose to Alabama. I think you lose to um, – I think I think they definitely beat Tennessee. Uh, I yeah. think they beat – I think they lose to Texas A&M, and I think they lose to Alabama. But I'm with you. They've – They've they figured out a way to pull it together. It's it's not uh, it is nice to not be watching LSU in free fall. And I tell you, what I guess they ultimately started two true freshmen on the offensive line. Yeah, um, but I think three played, and they did enough, man. They really did enough. Like they moved the ball enough. They got they they grinded out enough yardage. They 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 hit a couple big plays, and that's the. That's the thing about Matt Canada's offense is it's it both steals some yardage from defenses based on alignments here and there, but because it gets those defenses in such a bind that when you got playmakers, when you have a DJ Chark speedster, you can you can also steal some big plays. And they they got it they got enough. And I think they're gonna keep on doing that. I still you know what? I'm I I feel. I, I think. I, I, you know. I'll, I'll double down. I think. I'll, I think that they they lose to Alabama. I, I feel good about them winning out. So we'll see. I, I mean, that A and M game is going to be close at the end of the year. It'll be an interesting game. But I, I do think this LSU team is is one to keep an eye on now. All right. So outside of the top twenty five, let's go ahead and and get things rolling with some of the other action. Texas A and M uh, goes into the swamp and gets a win. Kevin Sumlin has changed the narrative around his future with this program. Like. 180 degrees from where we were coming out of that UCLA loss. Wow. Uh, yeah, this is, this is, um, I mean, Kevin Sumlin, like he's, is he, is he, is he going to keep his job? Like, I guess yeah, that's I where think, we're at now, right? Like, yeah, no, that because uh, then he has not only shown um, being able to rally this team together to, look good in some key spots but when you are Kevin Sumlin and when you've got the the offensive reputation to to bring Kellen Mond from being four for 17 in his first college football action to being serviceable and scoring touchdowns against defenses at Alabama and Florida you you've done a good job you know what is he is he tricking us though because here's what's going to happen now you got him now sitting at what are they? Five, five and two? two. Yeah. All right. So they're five and two, with an with an excusable loss to Alabama and a sort of crazy loss to UCLA. So they're but they're five and two, and I think people are feeling good. Kellen Mond has developed, and A and M's defense is playing well, and here we are. We're feeling good again. But now look at the slate they've got. They got Mississippi State, who's pretty good. They've got Auburn, who we know is pretty good, and they still have a Nat LSU game that I just said I think they lose. So. We still could look up at the end of this and they could be seven and five again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then uh, that win over Florida in the swamp and doesn't do much for you. So, you know, let's not take someone off the hot seat yet, unfortunately, for the guy. It's like, uh, you know, he's still still, um, getting more money he's got to wash, like the guy from Ozarks. He's still just like grinding through this thing. And. I though I you know again I, I continue to be impressed by them though and I continue to be impressed by by Kellen Mond frankly and in, in, in our picks pod when I talked about this game I said look you know Kellen Mond's been improving Christian Kirk's will be the best best athlete on the field yada yada look man Christian Kirk dropped like three or four passes that were like first down passes and and Kellen Mond was just sort of 
I, in, in a way, like willing them. I mean, his ability to run from the quarterback position, his his sort of probing style, his 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 patience. Um, man, that's really tough to defend. If I was a Florida fan, that would have been a frustrating game to watch. And and I I just you know defensively they just keep on making enough plays. That this is a this is a fun team. I like I like this A and M team. I think they I think they're tough. I think they grind. And I think that this is um, this will be a fascinating month and a half coming up. Mm. All right. So what about Georgia? Georgia gets tested. Uh, they don't get depth. They let the Missouri wide receivers get behind them. They shore things up and just end up pounding uh, the Tigers in the second half of a high scoring win. Where were your uh, alarm bells going off at all when this game was high-scoring and close early? No, not really, because this is a Missouri team that's built to put up some points on some teams here and there. They're going to have their breakout games. Georgia hasn't even really had their letdown game. Um, I mean, what would that even be? Like, I guess App State? Like, that's the really the only game where they have I mean, unless you count Notre Dame as a letdown. I mean, they, this was their letdown game. You know, they, they sort of exhaled a little bit, gave up 28 points to Missouri. Now now Kirby Smart's got plenty to coach and plenty to to, to motivate, and they're going to go and just absolutely mop stuff Florida next week um, or two weeks in, that, in, 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 the, um, in Jacksonville. So I, I, I believe in this Georgia team. You know, I, I really do. I think, this is, uh, I think this team is the real deal. Well, Barton, speaking of real deal, the deal does not get any more real than when you can get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. SeatGeek makes buying tickets to sports and concerts so much less complicated than it needs to be. It is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets with just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. They search multiple ticket sites, they assign a grade so that you can find the best bang for your buck, and because of that guarantee, because you know that you are buying with confidence, you don't have to worry about anything else so here's how you get $20 off your first seat geek purchase just download the seat geek app and enter promo code 24 7 today that's promo code 24 7 for $20 off your first seat geek purchase it's really easy just two two taps download the seat geek app enter promo code 24 7 today $20 off your first seat geek purchase all right georgia tech you just mentioned it heartbreaking loss they were on the right side against Miami, but Miami, man, the cardiac canes have got something going. The second straight week, Langham comes up huge, just pitching and catching in the final moments. You mentioned last week uh, that seeing Rozier's swagger, just being able to continually lead these drives. You mentioned Washington State is fraudulent. Is Miami fraudulent? They're <laughs> smelling a little fraudulent. <laughs> well, first of all, Mark Walton, who Travis Homer had 170 uh, and a TD on 20 carries. That guy, uh, that guy did a pretty nice job stepping in. Uh, big time athlete there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm I, I'm not ready to call Miami fraudulent. I think they've won two really close games. Um, I think this is a team that is they're still like they still are really talented. And again, when you look at their schedule, Notre Dame could, t- I mean, that'll be a tough one. I think Virginia Tech is sort of an equally matched team. Um, so I don't know. It, you know, I think that they, they probably, I don't think they finished the season undefeated, but I think that they finished the season no more than two losses and, and I think probably only one loss. Um, and so I think that to me tells you they're, they're pretty legit. Are you are you on the fraud train? Yeah, but just just too close for comfort, huh? Um, I just I I'm I'm looking at them in the same way. Like they are going to have losses, and they're not going to go eight and four. But um, man, I, I think I mentioned this to you before. Have you seen what Miami's offense does at the goal line? Fade routes all day. <laughs> they're just. They're just goal on fading it out here. They got a terrific defense. They're, uh, I don't know, Travis Homer, you're right, had a tremendous performance, and he's going to be really, really good. He's got, some, he's got some wiggle to him. 
Like he does a good job of getting out there, keeping his head up and being able to squeeze through blockers to find some open lanes. I, I think that Miami is in a great spot to continue for the ACC coastal, but like, I think they could lose to Virginia tech. I think they could lose to Notre Dame and I think they could lose to one other team. I think nine and three is not crazy. It's not crazy. It is not crazy. I just think it'll be more like. And uh, so for that, I'm just like, man, like, yes, Miami is number seven or number eight. But do I think Miami is the eighth best team in the country? Nah. Who, like, so I don't know if you got it in front of you, but I'm curious, like, regardless of polls, who are you, who do you think are the top 10 teams, like the best teams in college football? I've got my list in front of me that I turn in every week, so I, I can sort of read you mine. But I kind of agree with that. Like I, Miami's probably a ten to thirteen team, right. not a not a one to ten team. Yeah. Okay. So for that, I will say, um, like I think that, for example, Ohio State is much much better than Miami. But as the yeah. polls say right now, um, that's not the case. I think that Penn State is significantly better than Miami. I think Georgia is much, much better than Miami. Um, all right. So I've is got, Wisconsin much, much better than like where's Wisconsin fit in? My top ten still has Clemson and Washington, because I think they're both better than Miami. My top ten has Oklahoma and TCU. I think both those teams are better than Miami. So I've Who, got who's better, Miami or UCF? Ooh, I've got Miami, but only by two spots. I'm so 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 mad I didn't pick UCF in our in our locks pod. That would have been a, that that would have been so fun to just sit back and watch them score 63 and just cash cash tickets. Pound it. I mean they are. You called it, man. Like I don't know if there's a spread that they won't cover right now. It's like you you called them old school Oregon. Yeah, they are old school Oregon. But, uh, you guys should just like I I was looking at the 35 number and it just seems so big. I just needed y'all to remind me like they're gonna score 70. So like, what's what is too big? Like, what does too big mean? They're gonna score. They're gonna score seventy. Um, so, anyways, yeah, I think I, I think Miami is a is a is a bubble top ten team. I think Notre Dame could sneak into the top ten from a. I think Oklahoma State is still potentially a top ten team. I think Oklahoma uh, State's better than Miami. I think USC is better than Miami. I do not necessarily think that. I am down on USC right now. Um, what about all right? So USC is able to uh, to magically lead another one of these comebacks after playing with fire against Utah. And the funny thing about this game is that USC didn't really play all that well, but Utah is, I guess, the best other team in the Pac-12 South. Like I, I was writing about this game after it was done, and I just couldn't look at USC's remaining schedule and, like... I don't have a ton of confidence that USC won't trip up somewhere, but no. Hey, now of, Khalil Tate now. Not Khalil dude, Tate, baby. No way. No way. <laughs> none of the remaining teams, not Khalil Tate in Arizona, not Arizona State, even after beating Washington. Like I don't have any confidence in any one of those other teams in the division jumping up and challenging USC for the division title, but I don't have enough confidence in USC to definitively say that they're gonna run the table without taking a dumb loss to somebody. Well, Khalil Tate is going to have about a thousand yards rushing by the time he plays USC. In four games, he's going to have maybe more than a thousand yards rushing. And uh, yeah, I'm not calling for an upset, but I'm I'm sort of excited about this Arizona team. Um, now that Rich Rod has got a truly dynamic difference maker at the quarterback position, I think they could they could they could muck some things up in the Pac-12. But in terms of USC. Yeah, like they may still win the South. Probably will. But I still think, like, you know, we find out about them this week or whatever. Uh, yeah, this week at Notre Dame. I, that to me, there's they, I can't envision them winning that game. Now, maybe they do. Maybe this is their, like, they've just been limping along. And now when, they, when they're, you know, facing a real legitimate big-time team, in a big moment, they rise up and and summon up all that like talent and ability they've got and make it happen. And then if they beat Notre Dame, hey, that's a different story. Then I'll, I'll I'll buy back in and just let them survive and get to that postseason bye week 
and and you know they'll be better for the for the championship game. But as things stand today, I I just I can't I, I don't see I don't see USC even if they win the South. Like it's just what does that to get you, man? It just gets you to, you you win a, a mediocre to bad Pac-12 South. That's a pretty bad division. It is one of it is one of the it is Big Ten West bad. It is SEC yeah. East bad. Yeah, I think it's right there for sure. Um, the UCLA is just trash. <laughs> Dog, <laughs> play some defense in Westwood. Come on, UCLA is—they're uh, on their way to a coaching change. Gotta be. That's uh, that's that's not that's that's not. We might be sitting here debating about how Kevin Sumlin might be able to navigate this one, but it's actually the team that won the Thunderdome game that looks more likely, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks yeah, much that? more likely yeah. uh, to be making a change. Um, all right, Oklahoma, Texas, great Red River game. I now had a, we're I had talking, a lot of baby. Fun. Now we're talking football. Yeah, this was this was this was one that um, this was this was one that was a lot of fun because you had Oklahoma jump out early, Texas charges back. You were thinking that we're gonna have a Sooners blown lead situation, just like Iowa State, and then Oklahoma is able to uh, to get the lead back, end up winning close one for the Sooners for Baker Mayfield um every week I think it's just going to be hanging on to your playoff hopes by thread and thank goodness they've got the one of the most productive quarterbacks if not the most dangerous quarterback in the entire country to be able to put more points on the scoreboard than the other teams got that was just such a fun game that was just I mean that's what a rivalry game is supposed to look like those I mean those dudes were playing their tails off like there, there was it was physical. It was it was fast. It was hard hitting. It was well played. You know, I, I enjoyed that game. And I tell you, like, did, did you see Sam Ellinger's um, the, the the crowd shots of Sam Ellinger's mom? Oh yeah. Did you did you catch that? Oh yeah. Like she was. <laughs> I thought it was awesome because like usually when you see the parents, they're like hands over the face, just biting their nails nah, like, she was partying she so was she there. was like she she was like oh, this is great she was having a blast she was like you know horns up like just cl- like singing along the songs like you see where sam ellinger gets his like no flinch mentality he's just like he's just a cool customer and mom's a cool customer and they just when when the moment's big like literally like the biggest moment of the game like they showed a crowd shot of her and she was just she was just chilling just like like pumped like excited to see her son get after it and that's the way sam ellinger approaches it like when the big moments are there, he's just he, he's just cool and and I mean Baker Mayfield has that to him. It's more of a it's more of a it's less laid back with Mayfield. It's more of like a, a, a high wire intensity. But I just love Ellinger, man. I think he's gonna be like I think he has a chance to be a like an iconic type of quarterback at Texas because he's a true freshman. He's already like you know, bulldozing people and scrambling for yardage and throwing for 300 and rushing for a hundred. And, and I, I just think in a loss, I was, I continue to be impressed by him and I continue to be impressed by Texas and the way they've, they we always talk about the culture at Texas. I feel like the culture is finally shifting to where they're playing hard and physical and they're playing good football. And so not to, not to talk too much about the team that lost, um, but I think in, in a way that's that's as big a story to me as Oklahoma because Oklahoma is supposed to win that game. They're still in, they're just like they just need to survive every week, and if they do, they probably get back in the playoffs. Um, but it's going to be a fun ride to get there because TCU looks really good, Oklahoma State looks really good, uh, Texas Tech can score a lot of points, West Virginia looked good this weekend. So <clears throat> it's uh, you know OU's got their hands full. But it is uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. That's interesting because another takeaway from the loss is to look ahead for Texas, and you know they could go six and six, right? Like this, like I I like your your high marks and your positivity, but it's it's a tough it it is uh, a remaining schedule where Texas is gonna have huge games against some of the best teams, but if they wind up on the losing end to like 
if they wind up on the losing end of a close game like they did against USC or like they did against Oklahoma, then this is going to be a year where there was a lot of representation on the field of steps forward, but the record might only be a slight step up. You're right, man. Like that's going to be, I mean, that's the big 12 for you. And, and how does this fan base eat a season like that? How do they handle a seven and five? Uh, if, if that's the way it plays out and they're seven and five and all the five losses looked good with the exception of Maryland and seven wins look good, you know, are they, are they prepared to handle that? Uh, you know, my, my hunch is that, so I guess, you know, they're three and three right now. That Maryland losses is just that, that, that looms large, but they're three and three right now. You know, if Texas let's say splits with Oklahoma state and TCU, which would be a big deal if they could do that. Um, and then went out, I mean, so like that, even that, that, that's how they get to eight and four, but more than likely, you know, they yeah, probably, they're probably expected to lose two of the three Oklahoma state, TCU, West Virginia. That'd be kind of my guess. And so that gives them to, so I, I think more than likely we are kind of looking at a seven and five season. That's what I'm saying. And it's like, yeah. And and there has been, like you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff coming out of these games. You know, you're coming out of the USC game being like, oh, man, in Texas. You're coming out of Red River being like, oh, look at Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird – it's like a it's like a very weird feeling, you know, to 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 be this excited about a team that's sitting at 3-3 three and three and may not end up better than 7-5. Yeah, to, <laughs> to be really fired up about this team that's playing in the Buffalo Wild Wings right, uh, Bowl right. at the end of the season. Um, all right, let's go. Let's. You mentioned this earlier. Um, are you feeling like your fool's gold hunch about Ohio State is fading to the side? a great question it's a great question and i want to like i want to get some opinions on that like i want to know what canell thinks when we talked in this week i want to know like i don't know if gary daniels is out here watching these games or not like i don't know like i want to know what you think like i'm tempted to be like well that's pretty they're pretty good but i still i still think nebraska's like a like a not a good football team and ohio state's now they get now it gets serious for them, right? Like this is where they have a a bye week and then Penn State and then Iowa and then Michigan State and then you know at Michigan to close the season, obviously. <clears throat> so I don't know if I can get on like I still don't know if I can I'm st- I'll, I'll say this. Look, I'm starting to think Ohio State is going to win the Big Ten again. And not that I was ever like way off that bandwagon. Like I always thought that that was with JT Barrett Center, they can win the Big Ten. Uh, it's the next step that I've, I've got my doubts about, and I don't know that those are answered yet because I still I think have to see him execute against a Penn State, Iowa, or Michigan State defense before I really am am on board with with them being contenders to to be Bama because that's. Again, like that's what I always come back to with Ohio State. Look, I'm not saying they're not good or rolling or, and great with JT Barrett, but ultimately, like, what's the goal here for Ohio State? It's not to win the Big Ten; it's to win a national title. And I still, I think I need to see. You know, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll let you know after Penn State. Like, I'll, oh, for I'll sure. say that. <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll know one way or the other after Penn State. I think that their offensive line is the key. I think if if they can get that group. Um, when they get that group out there in rhythm, opening things up for the running game, um, it's it's awesome. They, they've looked sharp the last couple weeks, haven't they? I mean, yeah. they've, looked, and they've looked good up front. They've looked really good. They looks like they're starting to gel. It seems like they're in a good rhythm. I think that even the coaching staff has made comments about just acknowledging, like, yeah, we're we're playing well right now. That's a good thing. Let's see if yeah. we can continue doing this because I think they know, like you mentioned, the defensive fronts that they're going to face at Penn State against Michigan State against Michigan. Good heavens, like it, it's going to get a whole lot tougher. And this group of highly recruited, very talented, you know, six five, three hundred and fifteen, three hundred twenty pound dudes, they're they're going to need to get a little mean and they're going to need to get a little nastiness to them for in order to be able to keep this going. If Ohio State 
can can use all this all this positivity and all this good experience that they've built uh, on the offensive line. I think it, I think it changes absolutely everything for that offense, which of course is like. Are you concerned about Ohio State's defense? No, I still we focus no. on the quarterback, and I think that we ignore the defense, but not not in a bad way. But it's just when you've got Tyquan Lewis, uh, Nick Bosa, Draymond Jones, Sam Hubbard, like those are superstars. So when you have superstars on the on the defense, you just expect that that should be something that will play to Ohio State standard. Yeah, and they'll be and their I mean yeah their defense is national title caliber. I mean golly they've been just I mean I know these aren't great teams they've been playing the last couple of weeks, but I mean how many yards did Nebraska get this week? Could have been much. No, I think it was like fifty. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like yeah. if they get one like, point, the total like yards 27. count. Twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah, the total yards count in that game at one point was like Ohio State five fifty, Nebraska thirty-eight. <laughs> I know that they had like they got like sixty to Maryland the week before. So, um, yeah, you know it's it's they're factors. Like don't make no mistake. Like I'm not saying they're not factors, uh, but I, I do want to reserve judgment for one more week before I uh, before I say that they're you know that they're I'm a believer again in the JT Barrett's led squad because I mean if they don't turn the ball over and if they can run the ball it it might not matter well JK Dobbins is he makes a big difference because I was never a huge Mike Weber guy either and I think he's fine he's he's a good back but JK Dobbins does things that break games open he does things that don't you know allow you to to not have to go through 12 play drives like he'll 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 turn a 12 play drive into a four play drive um and so he i think jk dobbins that that revelation early in the year i mean that was their only bright spot on offense early in the year against you know oklahoma and but now it's i think it's he's got some he's got some some buddies that are helping him out and my boy from Pompano Beach, Benjamin Victor, another couple big grabs. I'm telling you, yeah, Big Ten wide yeah. receiver to watch. All right, so what about the other, um, the other Big Ten East squad here? It, is is the time to write off Michigan? Are we done with them? Yeah, hundred percent. Ten yeah. for ten for twenty for fifty eight yards passing. Yeah, man. They don't look creative. They don't look inventive. They're like your best offense is the fact that Karan Higdon's a hard runner and good breakaway runner when he gets out in space. It's weird to me that they can't, that they haven't been able to get any of their other. I know these guys are young. They got a lot of freshmen. I'm a little bit perplexed that they haven't, that like Donovan Peoples Jones is the only guy they've been able to like get ready to get on the field. Tariq Black, I know, is injured, but where where's the receiver production? Like, who, who, where are the guys that are making plays? Um, that's been str- like, cause even, you know, Eddie McDoom played last year. Kakoa Crawford, um, has been in the program for a couple years. Even Chris Evans, like in the past game, really talented pass catcher. Like he's the guy I would expect like to get involved in more than just the screen game. Um, so I, I don't, I'm, I'm not quite sure what's missing offensively. Um, and certainly we've, we know that John O'Corn is not the answer and, that just doesn't seem like it's getting fixed anytime soon, does it? No. Mich- Michigan's offense is not going to be fixed this year. It's just not. I mean, and like, again, I want to I wanna come back with the point that I wanted to make uh, last week, which was let's remember, let's calm down, R-E-L-A-X. Next year was what we were targeting as like the year for Michigan. This was going to be a year that we're going to have some bright spots, they were probably going to have some frustrations. And among those frustrations is the fact that the quarterback and skill position play is not just not to championship caliber. It's that simple. All right. They're so very here's, the, talented. here's the other question with Michigan then. All right. So we're, we're in agreement that they're not going to win a national title and they're not going to go to the playoffs. Can they be a spoiler? Can they be Penn State, Wisconsin, or Ohio State? Yes, to all three. Yeah, I think they probably can too. Yeah. Um, will will they? No. I think that we've got a 
they the way that they beat any one of those teams is uh like a what it's 21 to 20 game yeah same way like iowa beat ohio state last year yeah you know that type of that type of deal um turnovers pick six i mean like there there's obviously uh athletes everywhere you know like special teams could be a spot where they're able to turn a game but i'm uh i just have no confidence right now in john o'corn being able to lead crucial drives no I mean, hey, wasn't it Eddie McDoom that had the uh that had the the choke drop? Uh that um against Michigan State? I think so. Yeah, cuz you could on the on the gif on the re- slow motion replay, you can see the Michigan State defensive back yelling a hey, doom to get his attention. Oh, is that what it was? Before. Yeah, I think that was Justin Lane that gave him the choke. Justin right? Lane. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Eddie McDoom's allowed to come back. I don't think he's yeah. allowed to be a contributor for the rest of the season. <laughs> he, got, he got ethered like that in a huge rivalry game. I don't. Yeah, I, it's it's got to be um, a game where everything falls apart and Michigan is able. Michigan like leans on a ground attack that suddenly gets going because Karan Higdon's a good player. I I enjoy watching Karan Higdon run the ball, but when it's your strongest option and there aren't a whole lot of B or C plays. It's just a, it's an offense. I don't enjoy watching. No, no, it gets, it's, 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 it's a grind. Meanwhile, in Knoxville, there has not been a Tennessee football touchdown since the first half of the UMass game. Is that bad for Butch Jones's future? <laughs> 10 quarters. I think that leads the nation at the 10 quarter streak. Um, golly, man. It's not pretty. It is a, it is an ugly sight and Tennessee's defense is starting to play pretty pretty decent and they just can't get they can't get any touchdowns. They can't get in the end zone and they uh, I thought Jared Guarantano played okay. I thought that their offense just I, I don't know what like what happened to Remember when John Kelly, like, I remember early in the season thinking John Kelly is the second best back in the SEC. Like, this dude is, he's legit. And now we've sort of for, forgotten about him. Like, what, what happened to him? Why, why have they not found a way to utilize make him your the focal best player point of their offense? Um, so, you know, I, this is, I mean, Butch is, I think, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, depending on what perspective you're looking at, but I, this is this doesn't look this doesn't look survivable for Butch Jones. Will he get fired before the Alabama game? Uh, no, I, I don't think. Like to me, I, I honestly, my hunch is that they give him unless it just gets unless he loses like Southern Miss. To to me, it seems like, like Southern Miss well, is a good football team. Yeah, they're four and two. Good, make it happen. <laughs> um. But I, I get this feeling like that they'll give him an opportunity to get to the end of the year. Um, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. And uh, and there's no there's not really an excuse for the offense. They've got a couple. Of, yeah, Juwan Jennings got hurt. Yeah, like they've had a what, Chance Hall got hurt in offensive line. Um, they've had a couple injuries. But there's there's no excuse to be at this point in your tenure and have an offense that that is this bad and um it's it's just it doesn't look like it's gonna get any better Mm. i uh i guess i can wish him nothing but you know a life championship belt as he walks out the door good luck life champion i mean let's let's think about it in this in this sense they're three and three now what let's just like i don't to me it's not really feasible that they beat Alabama so let's just assume they lose that so they're three and four um what scenario could you see them him keeping his job not like you even if they went out beat Kentucky beat Southern Miss beat Missouri beat LSU beat Vandy you still don't see it correct you can't you can't lose you can't I think it depends on how they do it I think if they get on a roll and start and just like roll people up and Jerry Guarantano starts to look like a quarterback of the future, I still I think that he could hang on. 
but they got to look good doing it. And that's the thing about Tennessee. Let's think about a lot of the SEC right now. Let's think about Florida too. Is even when they're even though they're winning, it's it's not pretty. Yeah, you like don't look Georgia good. Tech. You don't you don't leave the Georgia Tech game feeling good about it. You don't leave the UMass game feeling good about it. Yeah, no, I I, I think that we are in mid October, and I haven't seen one. I've not seen one half of Tennessee football that made me excited. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it was funny. I tweeted this um, at like watching that game, the crowd shots, the whole game. It wasn't like people were like pissed off it wasn't like they were uh they certainly weren't happy it was just like they were sitting there waiting to cheer like they were waiting for something to happen it was like they were just like in a, a line at the dmv or something like just just sitting there just kind of hey man I- anytime like give us something to cheer about we'll be there and uh it's just a this of all the fan bases out there tennessee's got to be one of the more frustrating ones to to be in right now at this point in the season in the Butch Jones tenure, like just, just kind of seems like, ugh. Do just, you do you think that we've had less chatter? Someone pitched this to me, uh, and it, it wasn't a source. It was just an interesting topic that I wanted to continue to kick around. Do you think that with Fulmer, Phil Fulmer, Philip Fulmer's, you know, his special role and the fact that he's there and the fact that he's in the thick of this, do you think that that is contributing? to Tennessee in a way like on the field and in the press conferences this is obviously going horribly but I give Tennessee some credit on the administrative level that we're not having a whole lot of leaks we're not having a lot of uh a lot of reporters being able to cite sources close to the program about who they're targeting. Like, you know how sometimes when yeah. it looks like it's done for a coach, then we start to get a lot of inside information into, into uh, the headspace of the athletic director, or the regents, or the search committees. Like, we haven't had any of that. Like, it is more a, a widely assumed Butch is gone narrative, but no one's been able to, to tap into a source or a report that actually indicates that Tennessee is certain of anything or even like who they would want to bring in. Well, we're only on week two of the Butch Jones watch, right? Like it was almost, it was still sort of ridiculous to talk like Butch Jones, honestly, after last year, like job security shouldn't have really been a question. Like, look, that back to back nine win seasons, back to back nine wins after Herod and really, really a, a garbage roster. So it was this year was the year like, hey, man, well, uh, all that said, you got to prove it this year because now you don't have all those guys that were NFL draft picks. Um, so let's see what you can do. And, you know, early in the year, whatever, like they lost a close one to Florida, it happens. But 41 nothing isn't isn't tenable. 15-9 to South Carolina is ugly. They're about to get steamrolled by Alabama. Now, now we'll test John Curry's um, – inner circle you know yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, and the guy came like with full knowledge of what he was walking into though like he knew that there was going to be some unrest and he was going to have to address a, a coaching situation one way or the other so i think he probably has a game plan for this um and and the guy comes from kansas state where you know i, I don't know that feels like a pretty buttoned up atmosphere over there uh but yes I, that, that's a you know your point's well taken like they're they've done a good job of keeping the you know, the buzz to just like message board, um, you know, ramblings. Yeah, but. it's not it's not even boosters that are out here um, being able to say that they know what's going to happen. It's just a list of uh, season ticket holders with their begging and their pleading at what right. they want to happen. And I think part of that, too, is Butch Jones has done a good job of endearing the boosters and the money guys to him. I think that they're I think they support him. They supported him last year, even though it was a, a tumultuous season. They were behind him. Any of the, the unrest last year wasn't from the boosters, and I think now they were they were willing to give him a chance to to make it right this year and to to really prove you know earn his earn his money. And uh, you know now that he's not to date, anyways, it's uh, you know that will it will be telling. Uh, one real quick before we get out of here, West Virginia is a good football team. Yeah, we we you know. And, and not only they're a good football team, but if you want, like, if you're just looking to be entertained, you know, <laughs> uh, hey, <laughs> pop on that West Virginia game now. 
Hey, this they're 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 out there. They're out there having fun. They're out there throwing the ball down the field. Uh, Karan White, David Sills, um, Gary Jennings. They got a bunch of dudes that can go get it. And if you're looking for just some high flying action now, West Virginia is is probably the number one team to to watch. So it's 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 a fun game. It's a fun game experience with West Virginia. And Will Greer is is one of the best quarterbacks out there. So yeah, I'm on board with West Virginia. I've been I've been on board. Um, you know, let's see if they can up in the apple cart in the Big 12 now. Yeah, and that's the thing is, so I'm looking at West Virginia. I don't have enough confidence in West Virginia to be able to say, uh, so they've got one conference loss, so it's not crazy. They could make it to the Big 12 championship game, but I also, in West Virginia, in its wins, and also in the, like in the Texas Tech and the TCU game, uh, and even before that, you you saw these you you saw like the full West Virginia experience is uh it's awesome and it's a lot of fun but it's probably exhausting as a fan like the <laughs> fan experience for West Virginia truly seems exhausting like the the rise like the highs and the lows throughout a game um are are just gonna drag you through it so like I'm you're looking at Oklahoma State you're looking at Texas you're looking at Oklahoma. I think that West Virginia is going to be in every single one of those games. I think that they're probably going to even lead in two or three of those games, but I have no confidence in the outcome. Because I think they're going to knock somebody off. I think they're going to knock off Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. I think, I'll think i take that back. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to lose to Oklahoma State. You know, I don't know, flip a coin for Kansas State, Texas. We'll see. But then I think they get into they'll kind of sl- maybe slide under the radar into that at Oklahoma game and I think they win that one. Like they're <sighs> going to do some they're going to beat somebody and cuz they're just too good of a team to just lose all the games that that are challenges. You know, like they lost to TCU, lost Virginia Tech. Texas Tech I'm not convinced is as good as those other two teams. So I think they got I just think they have another big time win in them, whether it's Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. Mm. We'll be back at it. We got Danny Cannell, Gary Danielson, Dennis Dodd, Tom Fernelli. It is a loaded week of guests, so make sure that you subscribe, review, and rate the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast on iTunes, uh, on TuneIn, on Stitcher, so that you can be able to get the episodes first. You can follow Barton at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve. Yes,